tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. I'm Dave Marr. I'm a comedian. I live in Chicago. Nine years ago, I was in a month-long coma. I came out. I woke up with questions. I started this podcast. Here we are this week. Abby Pajakowski is my guest, member of the Neo-Futurists, actor, writer. The Neo-Futurists have an open door. I have an open door policy for the Neo-Futurists. Basically, I'm trying to collect them all. There are very few collectives for whom that is the case. Another is coming in either next week or the week after. So I'm I'm completing some collections here. But Abby is just a fucking joy to watch perform. And they came to my show at the Neo Futurist Theater here to make friends in late September, October, and which is in many ways a death show. Is it a death show? I've had other shows that are more deathy, but Abby is working on their own death show. And I guess that's coming out next year. And yes, I do mean 2025, but they'll be doing it through the Neo Futurists. And once I found out that that was the focus of their work, I was like, I got to talk to Abby. They're a blast. I wanted to have them on anyway. So here we are. We're talking and I hope you really enjoy this conversation, which was live in my apartment. One of those rare in-person episodes would love to have more of those. And this conversation is, is an example show shows how fun they can be. There is a lot more talk about shows and especially about reality TV on the Patreon. If you go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr, you can get the full convo. You can get that with every single episode at Patreon. Basically, if you believe in this show, I produce it without ads or corporations. And I would love for you to become a patron because it makes it easier for me to produce the show. You pay me $15 a month if you want your name read in the credits every episode or $5 a month to keep making it. You go to that link I mentioned. It's in the show notes. And you get all sorts of bonuses, including the full conversations, which this week includes lots of reality TV show talk with me and Abby. I want to thank those Pigeon Level patrons, G, Barry Fontenot, Shuba Singh, Debo, Fred Fidawa, and Katie Llewellyn. And also let you know that in terms of the show notes, you can go to Abby's website and follow the development of their show. Their social media profiles are also in the show notes. So follow them. Go see the Neo Futurists. The Infinite Wrench is fucking incredible. It's my favorite entertainment, live or otherwise, at the moment and and has been for a while. So if you're in Chicago, I recommend that. And here's my conversation with Abby Pajakowski. I grab your whip and take it back to Shotown. When I'm in Shotown, I treat it like paint your hell. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, yeah, (laughs) okay. The first, the first thing I think of, okay. The first thing I think of is I am, I'm sitting 
I'm sitting on like a, a, I'm on a stage, really harsh lighting. And like any person who's mind I respect. So like, clo- like my, all the Neos, all my friends, mm-hmm. but also like, like every great thing, like Angela Davis is there. Okay. okay. Miranda July is there. Like, like oh, every, everyone okay. I admire all are there, but there's like, there's like a weird thing with space where I can see all of their, like there's hundreds of people, yeah, but I can see all their faces clearly. Sure. 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 Okay. And I'm asked to talk about the the most important things or like they are asking me questions and I have to answer those questions and every response, every time any of them response, it's just, it's just like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's the response. Okay. Yeah. They're yeah, just yeah. like, mm, okay. No follow up. So it's a little bit like being interviewed is your how. Yeah. Or like being in a, being in, yeah, I guess that would be an interview. Like, yeah, stuck in an internal interview where I'm the only one. I I have to try to say I'm trying to get things right around things that I shouldn't be trying to get right. Right. I can just share. Because I'm wondering and, how yeah. close we're getting right now to, to, to my health. To your health. No, no. It's like it's. Yeah. If you but were. Your own opinions about things. Yeah. Opinions, yeah. And in, in, in you, your every new response, maybe it starts out fun. I'm like, oh, I just get to talk about things. But then every response is just, hmm. Yeah. Okay. Had you thought of this before I asked you? I was like on the walk here, I was thinking about it okay. a little. Trying yeah. not, I was trying not to like articulate no. it too much. Yeah, but yeah, like, yeah, totally. I was thinking about like what, yeah, just just this feeling of of everything I'm saying is deeply wrong and offensive and oh offensive yeah yeah just like mm, okay okay but not <laughs> it, this is this a nightmare you've had because it has very much the quality of like an actual dream like a nightmare. dream uh i don't think i've ever had like this literal nightmare okay but th- but fears around this are present yeah I also think while this is happening i just know someone is approaching me from some determined distance with a gun Whoa. Okay. Wow. Like the anticipation of violence or pain. But yeah. it, and I think it's going to, eventually it will be there. Yeah. But actually it will never be there. It'll only ever be approaching, but I think it's going to arrive. Whoa. But it's just never ending approach. Like, now it's like a horror movie. Yeah. 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 Is the approach the lone source of physical discomfort? Or does the initial situation you described cause you like physical pain? Oh, like just like the the like the social like because mm. I understand like innately like why that's hellish. But yeah. like, is there is there anything about it that is even more hellish for you than I would initially think? Well, I don't I don't know what each of us feel. Sure, of course, <laughs> but, of course. Yeah, I think like specifically I, I have anxiety and depression. So yeah. anxiety is physical. So so like this feeling of like just like a really, really, really uh violent heartbeat that's like pushing out of your chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a feeling of like being closed in on. But I, I think maybe what I was trying to create with my hell was like what would give my the little demon that is my depression mm-hmm. that lives inside of me mm-hmm. what would give it the most food 
Sure. Like what would feed it the most? Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> like what what would its heaven be? Yeah. <laughs> like what's its paradise? Right. And then I'm trying to give it its paradise. Do you think and that's that feeding your depression more than your anxiety? Because it sounds they're like kind of tied. They're all tied yeah, together. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I feel like my depression more. I've been. Who's to say what? I had one therapist that was like, they're both the same thing. They're just different symptoms. Yeah. Right. 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 But I do feel, I feel more connected right now to thinking of the depression because it feels more coming, anxiety feels like external things lead to it, maybe. Mm -hmm. But for me, like de depression is like, I don't need anything or anyone to create horrible feelings inside myself. Yeah, <laughs> I can do that all by myself. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> put it on my special skills yeah, yeah um but like i i like the it's worse than an inner critic we all have an inner critic mm -hmm. and i i do yeah if i was to imagine what <laughs> what's worse for me or whatever yeah. it definitely it's like a special kind of the voice is incredibly talented yeah inside of me <laughs> yeah totally i do appreciate that there's a talent element of this oh yeah <laughs> and that like even that your hell is popular. It's a full house. Oh, it's full house. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, another big thing for me is being witnessed. Like my, mm. I, that can, which is funny because I'm a performer, yeah. but sometimes my partner, if I'm, if I'm in an episode, like yeah. I'm in something bad that I can't get out of. Often he'll just be like, I'm, I'm leaving the room. No one's mm, watching you. Mm. And it can usually help me snap out of it. That's amazing. Being witnessed is, it's fodder. Or so I don't know what it is. It just really, it can make me feel completely frozen inside of, yeah. A hell, like that's the closest I feel to hell. Right. Is I trap myself in my own internal hell where literally like my body will shut off. Like I've just, this is dark. I, <laughs> I haven't talked about this all the time, but like. I can just, I, in my worst times, I can get sh so shut down that I'm just drooling because like I can't move my mouth. Wow. So yeah. I think that that would, but then if I'm forced to, maybe actually, I don't know if it would feel better to just force myself to keep speaking. I'm thinking about this hell where I have to just keep mm -hmm. answering these questions, mm -hmm. but maybe that would be helpful just to snap out of, I just can get really stuck. Well, it sounds like it also probably wouldn't be that helpful to like perfect your hell right now. Yes. To like fully <laughs> complete the like thought experience. No, this is fun. <laughs> it actually is kind of fun. It okay. helps me. Okay, good, good. Which maybe, it is, yeah. I mean, what a gift to say I'm leaving it, because that's so hard as a like partner of someone. Yeah. Because the thing you think you're like, I just need to be here. Yeah. If they can, if I can, I mean, it's just the way I think, but mm -hmm. like, if they can just find a way to express what they're trying to say to me, I just need to be the, you know, it's a yeah. solvey sort of thing. Which is a, which is a very valid impulse to have sure. for someone you love. Yeah. But we've been together almost 10 years. And I think that that's something he started like eight years into it. So it took that long. Yeah. To know that that was a tool we could use. Oh. And it's not always the right tool. So totally. That, totally. And right. it's not, it's ultimately not at all on him to, yeah, solve but it at a certain point. But it can help. Like, still be around with something yeah. for long enough. Like, yeah. it might as well learn this thing. Like, whether it's your like job or not. Sure. Yeah. Now he's just started saying, "This is your problem," and he walks <laughs> out. <laughs> Figure it out, he says, and he leaves for three days. Oh wow! And, <laughs> and, and that works. That's and it helpful. works every time. <laughs>
So what do you hope happens when you die? When I think about death, my focus is all about the before or the people left after. Like, I don't sure. think I let myself often think about well, what happens to you. that can be the answer to this question. Like who? Well, I, because there's a difference between hope and what I think, right? right? Well, what I ultimately think is we have no idea. So who's to say? But what I, I think what I'd hope, and I think this connects to what I don't hope for is something beyond. Really? Like I'm not, I don't imagine in my wildest dreams, I'm not imagining something upward mm -hmm. or like downward or okay. away from here. Okay. I almost imagine, and this kind of connects to this idea of the people who are still around. Mm -hmm. Like when we die, our, whether you're buried or burned or whatever, like we, those are still atoms and molecules, right? We're mm -hmm. still stuff. Yeah. In this idea of like, maybe who, like our consciousness or our soul or whatever, it's not just in one place. It's, it's in these very atoms. And I almost imagine like a dissolving of like, you just join all the other particles. So you're not alive anymore mm -hmm. and you're not you anymore. You're kind you're, you're everyone. Right. Everyone's everyone. So you're with everyone. You're with all your loved ones who died. Mm -hmm. You're with all the people who are alive. You're not somewhere new. You're just in the mix. And you, it's like a type of consciousness that we, like, I can't imagine what, it, like, there's no time. There's no space. You're just kind of everywhere all the time. Mm -hmm. And maybe there's a, I guess I would hope for the word peace. Like there's a peace in that because you're just all a part of it, keeping it going. Is there a, do you have a relationship to your own consciousness in terms of clinging to it, wanting to, the idea of a lot of people are like relieved at the idea of being done with it. Uh-huh. For me, it's the biggest source of panic is the idea of not being myself anymore. Yeah, I think in my version, you're not, we are not, our, we're not ourselves anymore. But how do you feel about that? I think Well, you I, hope for it. Yeah, so. I guess that's a hope. Like, like the, all the things that come with being an individual, all the pain of that and like the inherent selfishness of that goes away. I just imagine dissolve, a dissolve, a dissolve of it all. What about funeral planning? Do you have? Do I have a plan? Funeral plans? No, I, no. I, I would like to be cremated. Okay, why? Um, maybe, yeah, maybe it's this feeling of wanting to. That's such a good question. I'm sure. Thank you. <laughs> um it it just makes more sense to me just a, a body rotting away and taking up more space doesn't make as much sense to me wouldn't a body give like nutrients to the soil though i feel like i have not looked into the science i don't, I don't know either <laughs> i think this this, this the, for whatever reason this image of like dissolve 
feels good. So if you're ashes, it's you're scattering among but others. Burn is not dissolve. No, but like th this idea. Yeah, if I could dissolve my body. No, I wouldn't want to do that. That sounds <laughs> fucking brutal. Yeah. Gruesome. You're like, dip me in acid. Yeah. Just Give me a terminator <laughs> death. I'll put my thumb up as I'm going down yeah. into the lava. Yeah. Um, Just becoming just teeny little specks. Have you had a loved one that whose ashes you've like, like, have you encountered cremains? Yeah, but I've never scattered them. Okay. Like my grandma, one of my grandmas was cremated and just like the urn was buried. I'm pretty sure that I was pretty young. Did you know that the Neo theater had human remains sent to us? No. Have you heard the story? When? Um, last year. Whoa. We wrote a play about it, of course. We The office got a little box with a handwritten, I think it was handwritten, maybe it was typed note that said, these are my mother's remains. She loved theater. Something along the lines of, I trust that you'll know what to do with it. And our response was, uh, we don't know what to do with this. <laughs> this is, we don't like this. <laughs> we don't want... Your mom's, she had never seen the show. She wasn't a fan. Like she didn't know us. She didn't live in Chicago. But he said, like this person said, she'd already like, she'd always wanted to go to Chicago and she like had a dream of doing theater and never got to do it. So I guess we were then kind of. Did this person live in Chicago? This person had wrote as if they'd seen the show. Okay. None of us knew their name. You didn't follow up with them and say. No. Okay. And, and they weren't in the ticketing like they weren't in our ticketing site. Oh, wow. But they were, they said a few names. I don't remember whose names they said. Okay. They're like, maybe you could give it to this person. Like this <laughs> former Neo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And they're still in the office. And we we're just like, what are we, what are we, what do we do with these? Except you already betrayed that you did know what to do with them, which was write a play. Write a play it. about it. And I can't imagine her being upset with that. I that yeah. sounds like kind I hope of the we did. ultimate yeah. goal of the person who sent them and probably her. Yeah. Yeah. Relive one memory. Mm -hmm. Do you know this question? I do. Okay. So for those who don't, the idea of an afterlife where one of the premises is you get to fully relive one memory. Like a room you can pop into and out of whenever you want, but you have to choose just one. An especially vivid memory. Not that you, not that it needs to be an especially vivid memory already, but that you get to relive it in an especially vivid way. So I went to grad school in London. And, but before I went and woofed, do you know woofing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I woofed in Ireland. Um, the plan was to woof workers for- on, Worldwide workers on organic farms or something like wow, that? Wow, you remember it better than I do. Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, like you go and you give free labor on a farm for right. them to keep you there and feed you and yeah. you get to like explore. Where in Ireland? Uh, it was oh, a small town that I don't remember, but it was Northern Ireland. Okay. So, uh, Wait, actual the country, Northern Ireland? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay, cool. But then I- it was really interesting because I I would then when I would travel, I'd then be in Ireland. Right. So you're just kind of going back and forth. Mm -hmm. And I got to learn more about that history, which was interesting, but it was near Derry. Okay. Um, but a very small town, like on the top of a hill. Anyway, I <laughs> how much okay, right before I left, 
a few weeks before I left, I did all of my doctor's appointments mm. because I was about to be abroad um, without like my doctors around. So I, they found a lump in my chest and they did a biopsy and all these things. And finally they were like, okay, we're, you're good. Oh. So then I go to Ireland. Okay. Then in where I was staying was, um, uh, like a over two mile walk from the nearest bar, which had the Wi-Fi. Wow. So one day I like walk to the bar, get on my phone and I have a message saying that actually the biopsy was like, they couldn't determine whether it was benign or not. And they think that we should take it out. What? So I, I had to figure out how to get home again without Wi-Fi, like using, try, like walking to this bar, all the stuff. Right. So then I, and, and Will, my partner was going to join me in London. So basically what happened is I flew back after only, I think a week, um, woofing. I flew back to Chicago and he, right. I think a day after he flew to London. So wow. we missed each other. Wow, wow, wow. And then I was staying with my parents waiting to have this surgery. And I think I was there for, I, I don't know, a week and a half or two weeks. But what was so, but what was nice about this is I had already left, meaning I'd done everything I needed to do to prepare to leave. Mm. Like I didn't have to pack. I didn't have to like get rid of my apartment. I didn't have to get my papers in order. Right. I, I, when I went back, I felt like in this glorious limbo where I was a little... I was a little scared, but it seemed like, like the, the surgery wasn't crazy. It wasn't an intense healing time. Okay. Like I, I'm usually, I'm a pretty anxious, scared person. And I just never felt, I felt more the gift of time I was given of just being back and mostly spending my time getting to see people. Yeah. It, like before and after. So there was specifically one night, it was maybe my last night when I was staying at my parents and they have this little like on top of their garage, they have a little deck. They live in Chicago. Okay. Um, and I invited all my friends that could come. And it, almost everyone could be there that lived in Chicago. So the only one missing, and my parents were there, the only one missing would be like Will. Yeah. Um, and we just had a, I had a party like outside. It was the summer. It was beautiful, beautiful night uh, with, with almost everyone that I'd want to see. And we just, and I felt just free. And it was after the surgery, it was all done. I knew I was good. It like, I was good to go. They said there was no, um, like everything was out. Yeah. And I, the party, so the party was after that. It was after. Okay. So I just, I've rarely felt looser right, and freer right, without wondering, is there something I'm forgetting? Is there something I should be doing right, right now? Right, 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 right. And I don't know if I'll ever have that again because it was truly was, yeah, you already did all the things because you already were gone and now you're back. And we ended up playing this game for like maybe too, too long. We play in, I love games and I always want to play longer than everyone else wants okay, to play. Okay. But everyone was just down. What was the game? The game was, um, sorry, I'm late. I okay. think it might be an improv game. Okay, I, I don't okay. know. It's like kind of like a party improv game yeah. where one person leaves and we had them like leave and they had to walk up the stairs and they come in and they say, I'm sorry, I'm late. And then they describe the reason they're late in first person, but you're describing a movie 
Okay. Plot, and okay. then you're guessing the movie. That's it. That's really fun. But there, it was so fun, and and we were just chatting between, and someone like people would just leave to like use the restroom, and then they'd come back and do it. So it wasn't like we were actively playing the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I got to play a game, and I love games. Okay, okay, okay. And people just kept on playing it, and we kept, there would be moments of us being like, "Should we stop?" And we're like, "Let's keep going." Yeah, 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 yeah. And there were a few moments that were so funny while playing it that we all got like it was this. With with fifteen people or twelve, I don't even remember how many people. Usually, you can't feel like everyone's together. Mm-hmm. Usually, it's like little conversations. Right, 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 right. But it really felt very communal. Wow. And there are still years later, people like I feel like every once a year, twice a year, someone will bring up one specific moment from that game that was wow. so funny. It was just like remember, remember that. Yes. So I think that just just like just feeling very free. Playing Very loved, late playing Sarimli with most of your loved ones. Yeah, in this period of anxietyless limbo. Yeah, what's really interesting is between you head faked me a couple times. You're like, <laughs> okay, London is going to be where it is. Sure, Ireland sure, is going to sure. be where it is. These things that would be peak experience, and I'm sure like contained peak experiences for you. Yeah, in between there, that is the moment. Yeah, what? is the goal for the late person? Are they trying to make it clear or are they trying to make it vague? You're trying to make it vague. You're trying not to like give it away. Okay, okay. So- Are there points? Does anyone keep No, no. Can you, whatever the answer is to what you're about to say, yes. Okay, well, I was gonna give you an example. Yes, yes, yes. So this is one that we keep bringing up. Yeah. So so my friend Ella walks in and she's like, I'm so sorry I was late. I. I was forced, like I was drafted into war. It was, or, no, no, what did she say? She said, I'm so sorry. I was like, I, I had to like join this war and I kind of, it was kind of an accident. It was a fluke that I joined and everyone in battle, everyone on our side died. And I was the remaining survivor. And like, before she finishes the next sentence, I just screamed out ants. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the first guess and it was the correct guess. <gasps> Whoa. <laughs> so it's that. Of like, you don't want it to be easy, but you're trying. Yeah. So you, you abstract it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But that is the literal plot of the movie ants. I remember loving ants. Yeah. And being like, Oh, so you love Woody Allen. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, this is his best work. (laughs) But being like, well, before even, I, I think it was like only in the last, like, five or 10 years that I even learned Woody Allen was the voice. It was like, yeah, before yeah. I even knew that, but I was, but it was early enough that I was a contrarian and was like, I'm an ants guy, not, not a, a bug's, bug's life. Guy. <laughs> and I don't remember why I like, I, I have some sort of like, you know, I'm sure I projected onto the main character, some sort of like individual hero, you know, narrative, but It's got more of an edge. I don't remember. It's like a little darker. I mean, truly, there's a scene of him like coming. I think he's hidden by a carcass or something and he exits and it's just everyone's dead. Wow. Like that's a scene in the movie. Yeah. And that's my movie. dude. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Wow. Okay. That's great. So, yeah, you're trying to keep it vague. Yeah. But good enough to get them there. Mm -hmm. Like you don't say names. Yeah. Yes. Like character names or, and you put yourself You're as. Like, Sorry, I was late. I was looking I was for my aunt. friend, Private Ryan. Yeah. I was, <laughs> my good buddy, Ryan, was. <laughs> yeah, I was an aunt. Right. right, right. Um, 
man, it really tests the knowledge of plot movie plots. Yes. Yeah. Because at a certain point I would be like, do I remember the plot of this movie? Right. Yeah. That is that's a really fun game. It's fun. I have not played it since. Wow. Really? Yeah. I'm really excited. I'm just like thinking of I'm like, (laughs) I want to play this game. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's your coma? A moment of transformation where before you're one version of yourself and after you're another. This one's also hard. Okay. Sure. This one feels hard because I don't. (laughs) And interesting. Yeah. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. I don't know if I've had, I don't really, I usually don't think of my life in terms of like big turning points. Sure. Of course. So, so that's hard. And I feel I do, I I have one in my head, but I also feel like a lot of mine are more like reading something or watching something. That's super legit though. And also there's like a, I guess this was stolen from like William James, like varieties of religious experience, which I've never read, but it's like on the list. But it's an AA thing is like talking about like spiritual awakenings, Mm -hmm. the idea of the educational variety, which is instead of like a moment of just like, oh, is like a slow process where you then can look back and be like, oh, you know, however long ago that was that. And I'm finding myself like I never struggled to do the dishes anymore, you know, Mm. or I or. Some or something more meaningful. Yeah, that I mean, that would be awesome. Well, right, sure, huge. Yeah, but so so it can be that too. It can yeah. be. I mean, it sounds like you have an answer already, but it's it could be a gradual thing that you look back on as well. Right. Mm. Yeah. But go with go with what you. Yeah. No, but that's that's like prepped. a that's an Anna Karenina thing too, or just like a now I can't remember if it was. No, it's an Anna Karenina. Um, of this idea of those big, most of our big turning points, actually, that wasn't the turning point. It was a bunch of little yes. things that led to that 100%. thing. Um, and my whole like soapbox is that like epiphanies are bullshit and that it all leads up to the one point. But then every day you have to keep refreshing that point yeah. to make it stick. Yeah. Because otherwise, like you just had a nice moment and then you're doing the same shit. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like not that easy. It would right. be nice to be that easy. Right, 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 right. And whenever we think something's easy, we're probably doing it wrong. Oh, <laughs> cool. That's a cool new anxiety set into my brain. <laughs> Welcome. <Yeah. laughs> oh, I've been, yeah, I've been know, we're, yeah. we're in the spot. Yeah. Um, okay, but this one is one of those. So it but it yeah. I think one of my coma moments was when I was 18. It's kind of a classic maybe for some, but when I was 18 and I kind of shifted out of Christianity, Mm. but it was very specific. It wasn't like some big dramatic thing. It was trying for years and years and years to connect to it. And then it was just a moment of me lying in bed and not falling asleep and thinking about it. And I don't know how long I was thinking about it. In my head, it was like an hour of just like lying there and thinking through things. And things that clearly I've been thinking about for years and kind of for whatever reason, that was the night where I was really thinking about them and like letting them kind of come to a new place. Yeah. And it was, I I imagined like 
the smallness of people. And then I expanded to like the smallness of just earth. And then the smallest of like one galaxy and then another, then another, and mm -hmm. just thought about like the vastness of it all. And then like by the end of the thinking, I kind of came back to myself with this breath of relief in this lifted weight of just saying, oh, like I don't, like what's, what the practice of exactly what Christianity says you believe is not, not for me. Yeah. And instead it was like this acceptance of uncertainty. And I think that that, like that's an ethic I have lived by since then. Mm -hmm of uncertainty as a value and embracing what we don't know and not always trying to find the answer and like the pursuit of knowledge should always be a pursuit a kind of what I was saying of like, if things, if something's too easy, you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think if you find an easy answer, I think that, I think easy answers or absolutes can just maybe be the most harmful, like that can lead to the most harm yeah, and the most violence. percent. And I think it was just that moment of me, like taking that in for real, like really being like, I don't know, like it, it almost like in a spiritual way, but being like, Communing with uncertainty feels spiritual and it feels like a way to actually like connect with like a way to feel more human and to connect with other humans is to commune with what you don't know and to recognize that like you'll, I think with other people, that's a way of recognizing someone's humanity is to be like, I'll never fully know you. You are a mystery to me. Right. And as soon as I think I fully know you, I'm like reducing you down. And right. I think that kind of came like putting it onto people came later. And then other like I think, mm -hmm. but that feels like the almost like the foundation of then me building on that. So it doesn't actually feel like too, super connected to. Like. It's funny that it came out of like Christianity or like letting go of it, because it's not like it's when I stopped being indoctrinated or whatever, right, right, it's right. not that. It's more like it feels more positive. Like it feels more like a creation of something as opposed to just like a denial of something. Or does that make sense? Yes, yes, it does. And yeah. and the 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 friction I'm feeling is between uncertainty, the acceptance of of uncertainty, and anxiety. Yeah, which are like frequently uncertainty feeds anxiety totally and so yeah yeah and anxiety how does yeah. that exit how does that existential acceptance how do you maintain that existential acceptance of uncertainty yeah i i think i think it's been for better or for worse like i don't necessarily know if it's always the healthiest i'm definitely not always the healthiest with it because i do think i'm ter i'm terrified of uncertainty right i right. do not like the unknown right and i'm I constantly want to be right. I want to find the right answer. Yes. But those are all impulses that I'm trying to like fight through this ethic. The other thing I want to ask about mm -hmm. the bed uncertainty <laughs> sort of culmination moment is, was it scary for you? Because for me, coming from like evangelical Christianity and then 
in college being exposed to like new ideas, it felt like it felt like the bullet slowly approaching mm. where it was like, am I going to give in to the darkness? Like, mm. is there like, and, and that also gave too much credit to those ideas where like all of those ideas were the truth and there is definitely nothing, you know? Yeah. Um, not just at the end of a life, but just, you know, all throughout life, like materialism above all. And, and that made me scared to let go of that of even the attempt at certainty. Did you have that same fear? I don't think so okay. in my memory. Okay. I think it felt it felt very non-dramatic. It felt very personal. It felt very organic. And it felt like the the way I used to describe it was like this weight that I didn't realize I had had was lifted. I just felt lighter. Has it changed how you live? Like, it sounds like the big change was a, a crystallization of a belief system. Yeah. But it must I mean, have changed I, how you live. I bet, but I guess I can't totally say. I didn't, like, go start. I guess there were probably, like, literal changes. Um, like, not trying to do certain things anymore. Like, that I was failing at. I was failing at being yeah. what I thought of as a good Christian. So then I let go of that pursuit. And then it helped me to actually do the things that like the, the, the parts of Christianity I agree with, which is like, how do you try to be a person who is, yeah, in harmony with the universe and with others? Right. Like, what were the that's things the you were trying to do to be a good Christian that you were like struggling, that you were struggling with? It felt like a, like, like playing by a set of rules and someone was watching me all the time and like grading me. But what were the rules? Was it like, like cursing? Yeah, like re, or? uh, yeah. Cursing I didn't do. Um, yeah, I, I read the Bible all the time. Um, mm, like a quota, like an amount. Yeah. Like every day. Of, right, right, right. Yeah. Which like that type of thing I still do now. I'm like reading at least a page a day every day of any book. Sure. You okay. know, like yeah, there's yeah, still yeah. these, um, or, um, like I remember I was like, I have to work out because like the reasoning more, like I need to, I need to like eat healthy and work out because my body, I like read one place in the Bible, it's like, yeah, your body is like for God right. and it's a way to like honor God. So if you eat a potato chip, you're like just giving him the middle <sighs> finger, Wow, you wow, know, wow, and yeah. like, and, and I wasn't raised in anything super strict. Like, like I actually think the reason it was able to be not very dramatic and not huge was because like the main things being like the stuff my parents were focusing on and a lot of what the like the church I went to was focusing on was just the, the things we all should be focusing on how do, how do you live well mm -hmm. but for it, but when it was in the framework no matter how great the individual people were talking about it or how much i connected with them just the framework felt like suffocating to me right it it didn't and it felt like a personal thing it wasn't like and it should burn this institution. Like we can, we can critique the institution. It felt out outside of the institution. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It didn't feel like a, like a political critique of the institution. It just felt like even if this was only doing the best things that like, if this was the best version of itself, I don't think it would work for me. Mm. Like the, the framework isn't working for me. Like if I'm going to like try to take care of my body, it needs to be because this is a beautiful body that's living on earth that like deserves good things. Right. So that, so you know? in terms, so looking at this coma in terms of behavior change, 
is actually like misses the point because yeah. the thing that changed was like all the behind the curtain stuff of yeah. like why I'm doing any of this. Yeah, I think for the most part, it probably was that. And there were probably little things of like, I definitely think it was easier for me to be like, like I'd, I had queer friends who were out and like, I, I was figuring things, but it was all this, always this little thing of like, but is it right? Is it right? And as mm. soon as there's not this rule book, yeah. then, then I could, the truth I'd been feeling for a long time of like, it's totally chill. Yeah. Could just be. That is the show. Thank you so much for listening. Go to Abby's website in the show notes to follow the creation of their show. Go to patreon.com slash Dave Mar to support this show by pledging a monthly donation and getting even more interviews when I post those and also experimental bonus episodes. And that's it. Thank you for listening. If you have a friend you think would love the show, tell them about it. If you listen in Apple Podcasts and you have not reviewed the show yet, please post a review in there. I find it very encouraging. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. You are human. Only human. And human beings, they 